Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Um, I, I can't say good morning to you. How are you? Um, thanks for joining us. It's the 15th of June. Uh, it's less than 24 hours after the Post-Gazette fired Rob Rogers. And uh, I must say I have been in a, a, a mood, <laughs> a mood ever since I had dinner with friends last night and the conversation got so heated that one one of my friends stormed out of the dinner. Um, angry mostly at me, I guess, for what he considered overstating the case. I'm I'm so sick of all of this infecting our lives, our psyches. Um, Rob will be fine. He's certainly getting uh, a lot of support from uh, all over the world. I mean, there there were uh, uh, on Twitter. I have seen uh, posts and retweets from uh, people with huge followings in uh, European countries. I guess it's just one more indication of what uh, so many outside of the United States fear is happening here. As I, I said, just another canary in the coal mine. I have something to suggest if you want to get yourself in a better mood, if you're in the mood I am in, because uh, thank God after that dinner, um, I was able, uh, because the friends that were there uh, still, uh, we uh, looked it up, and that was uh, Joanne Rogers, Mr. Rogers' wife, uh, appearance on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and it's wonderful. I mean, you've seen her on this program, but man... Did she rise to the occasion? Just delightful. I mean, she she can't be anything but delightful because that is her essence. But, uh, man, she won over uh, an entire national audience on that program. And uh, I also uh, heard from her... Uh, this morning, and she said that, uh, you know, Fallon was simply wonderful to her personally. She said he's shy. She got the impression in uh, regular human contact, and she even said Megyn Kelly was lovely. I doubt that. But uh, Joanne is one of those people who finds good everywhere she goes. I have to say, um, I had a uh, letter from one of you, and now I can't seem to find it, but it was written a few days ago, and you were saying, you know, if I were to cancel the Post-Gazette, where do I get local news? I don't know where I would get local news. And uh, since I have canceled, I will tell you uh, some of the places I am getting it. And all of these places, obviously it is online, but all of these places uh, covered uh, Rob Rogers' uh, firing uh, yesterday. First of all, you can, um, I guess, you get it by contributing. I'm not sure. Uh, 90.5 WESA, the, uh, the NPR station, public radio station here. They have... a m- beefed up news operation. They are where uh, my friends uh, Chris Potter, who used to be the editor of Pittsburgh City Paper, then went to the Post-Gazette and then jumped wisely to 90.5 WESA. So he's now doing his 
crack, crack jack, cracker jack, uh, reporting at that uh, media outlet, 90.5 WESA. Um, and also Bill O'Driscoll, who reported for City Paper, also jumped over there with him. That's another incredibly good reporter, both these guys having covered Pittsburgh for decades. Um, so that's, you know, talent in town is moving to other outlets. So you follow those outlets. 90.5 WESA, they're the ones who actually broke the story about Rob Rogers' cartoons uh, being being censored. Um, also, of course, there is Pittsburgh City Paper. Uh, there is as well uh, Next Pittsburgh. Uh, you can get uh, a lot of these things just come whether you subscribe or, or not, but ideally they re, they want you to pay some money so that they can, you know, keep on going. So Next Pittsburgh, www.nextpittsburgh.com, N-E-X-T, they too uh, report on things happening, uh, and they did uh, a fine story. Um, they show a lot of tweets regarding the firing. They showed Howard Feynman, the former Newsweek uh, reporter and Pittsburgh native, um, tweeting about Rob's dismissal. And he said this, an outrage, an outrage. Pittsburgh is lucky to have hilarious, insightful, and sharp-penned Rob, uh, Rob Rogers' editorial cartoonist at the Post-Gazette. The Block family, who owns the PG, have been good stewards until now. Crazy alt-right son, John R. Block, is destroying it. Uh... A number of, um, yes, as I said, national and international. Um, I'm looking to see uh, what, I guess it was in the PG's own story. Um, okay, and then Tony Norman, whose first tweet yesterday was, I'm trying not to throw up. But he made a response to a friend who told him he was going to cancel the subscription. And again, even though I have done that, and I still think that's the way to go. Because this paper, despite the fact that there are so many wonderful, talented people still working there, this paper is now flat-out Trump propaganda outlet. That's what it is. It's a propaganda sheet. And I frankly don't want to uh, underwrite that in any way. But here's Tony Norman, and I'll give the other side um, his, I'm sure, eloquent uh, response. Uh, Keith Burris controls one two-page section in the newspaper. And that's what Brian O'Neill said at our protest on Sunday. But I think the infection goes deeper than that. Okay, I'll stop editorial. I'll, I'll let him speak. He has no say over how Grant Street is covered or the Steelers or anything outside the editorial pages. He has no control over columnists. I've never met him, and I sit 15 feet away from him. He's not at any meetings that determine the paper's coverage, philosophy, or assignments. He writes and edits editorials. He controls Rob's space, and he controls which syndicated columns go in the paper on his page. That's it. Most people here have never even heard the man's voice. He has power in that he does the bidding of the publisher, but his actual control over anything is nil. I, I think Tony is um, understating this, frankly. All I'm suggesting is that abandoning the good work of the Post-Gazette over a guy with one two-page section under his belt is short-sighted. I'm obviously disgusted that Rob was fired, but even Rob doesn't want folks canceling their subscriptions over it. That is true, by the way. 
He understands the importance of what we do as an organization. The Post-Gazette is bigger than Rob. Think about it. Folks might actually miss us if craziness starts breaking out all over town. It's true that we're not the only game in town anymore. There are very good news sites like, and he mentions Public Source, and many others here that do a fine job. Okay? Before you cancel your subscription and cripple a news organization because it has terrible pro-Tump leanings on the editorial page uh, that you're more than free to ignore, yeah, but you're paying for, uh, I think about whether the alternative will sustain you. Even when I'm long gone, which might be soon, he says cryptically, I'll keep up my subscription because I want to know what's going on in my town. I could give two shits about editorials I don't agree with. Um, <coughs> all right. I mean, I... I I understand the argument they're making, and I bought it up until Keith Burris came on board. It's um, the editorial page is the heart and soul of a newspaper. Now, I do subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, whose editorial page makes my skin crawl, but who has an excellent, uh, you know, news section and. Uh, uh, their week in review is, is wonderful. But the fact is anyone who gets the Post-Gazette knows that the amount of news that is being covered by the paper has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. I have noticed that Trib Tribune Review reporters are regularly beating PG reporters in a lot of stories. I'm sorry to say. I'm just saying. Um... And I also know, as a fact, and I told you this the other day, there is more control, uh, Trumpian control, of other parts of the paper that, that have even been reported on. When Trump made his shithole country remark, the uh, Post-Gazette ran an Associated Press story on that on the front page. And the publisher, John Robinson Block, made them take shithole out and instead say vulgar comment. So believe me, uh, whether it's Keith Burris or whether it's John Robinson Block, they are always trying to tidy up to make Trump look better when he screws up, to maybe fail to run a story that should be run. All the excellent reporting that the, uh, uh, that the New York Times uh, and the Washington Post are doing the uh, you will never see those any of those stories on the front page of the Post Gazette anymore. You used to see it a lot because again there has been an edict. No, you do an AP story. You don't do the New York Times. You don't do the Washington Post because John Robinson Block is using his paper. It's his paper using his paper as a propaganda organ. And so I think Tony's being a little disingenuous, but I understand why, um, about that it's only two pages. I disagree with that. I really disagree with that in little ways, not putting New York Times stories in or above the fold or on the front page, uh, changes in headlines here and there. There are enough people willing to kowtow, probably, still there. Most of the people there are just exhausted and demoralized. Make no mistake about, about that. Um, The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's own story on this uh, gives us some information that we did not have. Uh, this is the statement from the paper. Uh, the Post-Gazette does not provide details about employment matters. But in light of Mr. Rogers' public comments today, we do want to acknowledge his long service to the newspaper and our community 
Any further discussions will be conducted with Mr. Rogers as a private matter. Um, and the paper goes on to say that they offered Rob a deal, that he could, instead of an employee, become an independent contractor and produce two cartoons per week for the op-ed page, along with his weekly strip, Brood on Grant. Um, and Rob was offended by that. And let us say, just because he'd be two, doing two cartoons a week uh, does not mean that they would have been published, right? And uh, Burris went on to say that he has never s suppressed Rob Rogers' cartoons, but rather that Rob was unwilling to collaborate with him. The word collaborate, by the way, is an interesting word historically, right? We know that after um, wars... Uh, that those who are deemed to have collaborated with the enemy are often dealt with very harshly, right? So no one would be surprised to hear that Rob Rogers refused to collaborate. Uh... Rob has said, I am incredibly proud of the 34 years I've spent at the Post-Gazette. I mean, at, in Pittsburgh, 25 of them at the Post-Gazette. I felt I was a valued and respected member of a quality newspaper staff. This situation changed dramatically and abruptly in recent months. Uh, he was essentially handed an envelope at a lawyer's office uh, that contained his severance package and this proposed freelance agree agreement. And Rod, uh, Rob said they were both insults to me. Um, he said, I mean, clearly what was happening is he was being fired. <laughs> they just never wanted it to look like he's being fired. But make no mistake, the not printing his cartoons was an effort to create a hostile work environment so that he would leave of his own accord, which, of course, Rob would never have done. Um, Burris has also said, I'm, I'm, oh, Burris has said that he told Rob when he came to Pittsburgh, when Burris came to Pittsburgh in March to oversee the editorial page, he had a meeting with Rob, which he described as awkward, and he said, no, agonized, he said, and Burris said to Rob, obviously we don't think that Trump is the worst president in history. Um... Burris said, I, I would ask Rob for more topics, not to concentrate on Trump as much, and could they be funnier? Put a little more humor in them. Well, humor's in the eye of the beholder, and Rob was dangerous because Rob's cartoons were powerful. And they use um, humor to speak truth to power. Uh, it is not uh, surprising that Rob won national awards for his work, including one called the Thomas Nast Award. Thomas Nast was the guy who brought down the corrupt czar of New York in the 19th century, uh, Boss Tweed, and his Tammany Hall operation. Boss Tweed didn't need to be the mayor. He essentially appointed the mayor. <laughs> the mayor sort of, you know, you know, spoke, had to do Boss Tweed's uh, uh, doing. And no, nobody knew how to touch this guy. He was untouchable. And then a guy with a pen and ink, Thomas Nast, 
started doing cartoons about Boss Tweed. And those cartoons went out in newspapers in New York. People who couldn't even read saw them. And they had this huge impact. And Boss Tweed was done. Ever since, those in power have understood how powerful this kind of cartooning is. Even before that, in France, I think during the Revolution, there was a guy named Daumier who also, his stuff was, con was incendiary. That is the job of a political cartoonist, to speak truth to power. The fact that Rob Rogers, a recipient of the Thomas Nast Cartoons uh, Award, um, was forced out is just further evidence of how powerful John Robinson Block and Keith Burris, who are now doing Donald Trump's bidding, thought he was. And they needed him to be silenced. That's why I now call the Post-Gazette a Trumpian propaganda organ. Uh... The mayor uh, made some strong statements, and I'm looking, and essentially pointed out how um, Rob's firing happened a day after the president of the United States said that the biggest enemy of the United States was American media. Enemy of the people. American newspapers. American political cartoonists. And that is such a dangerous and unprecedented thing for a president of a country that values its First Amendment, its freedom of the press, its freedom of speech, to say. This is the guy who, while embracing Kim Jong-un, turns and says that people like me are the gravest threat to the security of the United States of America. Also for news, uh, The Incline, The Incline, look it up, check it out. They covered our protest uh, extensively. They covered Rob's firing extensively. They cover local news, okay? The Incline. Um, there are other sources, and it might take a little bit of effort to, to find them, but not really, not much. And um, you can get, well, Dave writes, I've had enough, canceled the post stinking gazette this morning. We're up here in conservative land of Butler County and just couldn't take it anymore. It's only a small gesture, but I had to do something. I understand the feeling. I'm sorry, there's a caller that's been... Uh, they always say waiting patiently. I'm willing to bet waiting impatiently is the is the the proper way to describe it. Hello. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Um, I canceled the Post Gazette about three years ago. Went on a Sunday. I got part of the paper, and when I called them, they said, "Well, that's all we could print today. That's what you're getting." They didn't say we're sorry. They didn't say, "Oh, you'll get partial credit for only getting part of a paper." That's what they said. So. They've been killing themselves for a few years, but I mean, they're defending a guy. I don't know if you've heard in the last 12 hours about Trump getting to Singapore early and then yes. saying, well, why can't we meet right now? He's right. got the attention span of a five-year-old. Right, yeah. he was then bored. Then this morning, his comment about, yeah. yeah. Oh, then my God. This morning about, you know what he and, said? And I guess his own people were, were worried that the summit wouldn't uh, happen because he was so impatient. First thing, he leaves and gets to the G6 plus one late. He leaves early, which he had no reason to leave early. He got to Singapore plenty of time. This morning, and I've heard his comment about 
uh, King Jong-un people sit up when he speaks. I want Americans to do the same. Here is the exact quote. He's, he said this. You're right, right. And uh, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. Uh, the President of the United States said on live television this morning about Kim Jong-un, he speaks and his people sit up in attention. I want my people to do the same. If that doesn't chill you, then I don't know what would. Well, this is a, to me, this is a scary. The scariest thing is facts don't matter anymore. I like that NPR now says stand with the facts because the clueless people that support Trump, they don't care about the facts. Oh, we're going to build a wall. Mexico is going to pay for it. Uh, that's not going to happen. Ah, we don't care. We don't care. Yeah, what you say, and if you lie, and we all know all the politicians don't exactly tell the truth, but there's different degrees of lying. I mean, it's just, and this is not a liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican issue. This guy is unfit for any job, much less to be the leader of the free world, quote-unquote. It's just unbelievable that he could be in power in this country. I know, but he is, and not only is he in power... But uh, 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 an unignorable huge percentage of Americans think he's wonderful. Well, that says a lot about our society today. The one thing I would say is, I'm a Democrat. When the Democrats decide who to nominate in 2020, the first criteria should be who can win. Because even if I only agree with that person 50% of the time, it's 50% more than I agree with Trump. Exactly. And I'll live with someone that I I could stomach over. We can't have another four years of this guy. We just can't. No, I don't even know if we'll survive another two. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll survive. We'll survive. Seriously, I think we will. All right. Uh, you know, unless he starts a nuclear war and we all die, we'll survive. Oh, no, 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 no. Thank we you. Have, have a nice weekend. Okay, you too. Well, there's no going to be no nuclear war. We have it from the president's own mouth this morning that, uh, yeah, North Korea is no longer a threat to us at all. Uh, public source that um, Tony Norman is uh is another good journalist over there and again uh that's uh at info at publicsource.org i guess we can what we'll do is we we'll we'll print some of these on our facebook uh page so that you'll know where you can get local news um because i personally uh, I couldn't anymore. <laughs> and I know some of you feel the same. And even though I understand the employees over there and even the ex-employees over there arguing otherwise, I um, I can't. Well, we have another call. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello? Okay, knock him off. Um, I was mentioning Joanne Rogers earlier. She also sent me a piece that she had seen. You know, she she sees so much written about her husband. Um, but she said she had to send this because there was something in it that she had never heard before and and it was an interview uh, with the uh, Oscar-winning uh, filmmaker Morgan Neville, who has done the documentary that's now out about Fred Rogers, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. Uh, he is the same guy. who He won the Oscar for um, 20 Feet from Stardom, about backup singers. Uh, but he talks about, in the, in the article... About things, this is why we miss Fred right now, and this is why Joanne is on the Tonight Show. I think people are hungry for the this man who represents the antithesis of everything that Donald Trump represents. And uh, 
excuse me, I'm sorry. And uh, Morgan Neville says this. Uh, Fred's fundamental belief was that you don't tame rage by stifling it. You tame it by processing it. Remember that song he sang to the you know, stunned uh, congressional hearing um, that was going to defund public broadcasting? Uh, what do you do, he said to the, the high and mighty that he was sitting in front of. He said, I have a song I sing for the children. What do you do with the mad that's inside? When you feel so mad, you could scream. And he went on. So this, is, this is, picks up on that, that rage must be processed. And I think Fred, Neville said, I think Fred really believed that the antithesis of love was not hate. The antithesis of love was fear. And that fear metastasizes into resentment and hatred and anger. But what underlies all of that is fear. So if you can concentrate on what children are fearful of, you can keep them from growing up into angry and hateful people, which is really a totally profound notion. And we are in a cultural moment, and we've been here now for a while, where it's easier to get money, easier to get attention by appealing to fear rather than to love. Fear, the stronger motivator. And that's why it feels so urgent to remind ourselves how to be good, good neighbors. It's not something we should take for granted. It's something we should nurture. Uh, we have a call. Hello, caller. Hello, caller. Hey, Lynn, it's Mike in D.C. Hi, Mike. So I'm curious about something. I'm wondering if you or your audience can help. Is anyone others, is anybody else but me, is the Republican friends trying to use you as your conscience? For example, one of my, they often will say things, or one of my friends said, Republican friends, she's like, we weren't even talking about politics. This came out of the air. I, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't pull that lever for Hillary because of all those emails. And another friend of mine, a Republican, said, I stood in that booth and I looked at those two names and I just couldn't pull either one of them. And then another friend of mine said, ironically, to what you're talking about today, I don't know what to read because everything I read is so convoluted. So now I have resources to send to that guy. But it sort of feels like I'm your conscience now, and you're trying to justify why you made the wrong choice. And I don't want to be your conscience. You live with it. And I refuse to process it with them. I am not Mr. Rogers. You get your own guilt. I change the subject. Yeah. Does that happen to anybody else, or am I special? Uh, no, I think this does happen. Um, and I am not Fred either. And um, I think I told a story the other day. I met a young man who I, I thought was very brave in, in uh, owning up that he'd voted for Trump um, because he sure is regretting it. But he said, uh, too, that he did it because uh, he simply could not vote for uh, Hillary. And um, I think I talked to him for a little bit, but then I just said, I'm so mad at you, I could punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't engage. I will not be your conscience for you. You are going to have to wrap your mind around the decision that you have put us all in. I have to live through this. Yes, I have to live through it. But I don't have to try and make you feel better for clearly making the wrong decision when all of the guideposts were there. Right. Donald Trump told us who he was. The minute he came down that escalator with his wife behind him like a mannequin. And nobody listened. 
Well, he came down, and the first thing he did was call uh, was call desperate uh, people yearning to be breathe free. You know, the wretched refuse of our teeming shore. He called them murderers and rapists. He was very clear from the first moment that he was going to use fear, hate, loathing, and it worked. It worked. And I don't blame the hillbillies. Honestly, I don't. They have three jobs. They can barely pay their rent. They have kids who are on assisted lunch and breakfast and some schools dinner. I really don't blame them. I get to read almost three newspapers a day so I can keep up on this stuff. I don't blame them. I blame the other people like me, educated, white, female, who said, you know, I just can't. Right. Fuck off. Yeah. That's who I blame. Yeah. No, I understand. Right. I understand totally. Uh, well, we're in it now. So I'm not alone. It happens yeah. to other people. we got to get out of it. And, and our only option then is to not engage or to tell them you want to strangle them. I, I you know, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm capable of being their conscience for them. No, and nor do you have to. You got enough stuff to deal with. Enough stuff. Yeah, like trying we to read do. the newspaper. Yeah. Like trying to read the newspaper and, and read something I want to read that's not going to make me mad. That's almost a full time job. Yes, I would agree. Thank you. <laughs> okay, bye. Mike. Bye. Sure. Um, this man, who now is President of the United States, is so corrupt. And we, you know, I mean, like I'm telling you something you don't know. I don't know if you recall the fact that he's now been um, charged uh, or his foundation has uh, has been charged as essentially being an uh, unlawful entity. Uh, the New York State Attorney General um, has alleged that the so-called Trump Foundation, which was supposed to be a charitable foundation, uh, was little more than a... a <laughs> Like so many of his other things, it was sort of a money laundering operation, and it was a, another way to enrich himself. Um, I, I, you may remember that a long, 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 long time ago, uh, Susan and when Susan was on, we were talking about the fact about his foundation, because certain things were being reported about it, and we were so stunned by it because Susan and I, and my brother and my mother. Uh, constitute, uh, along with some of the next generation, the board of directors of a found family foundation my father set up as a charitable uh, organ. And uh, I actually have been the executive director for some years. I am very aware of what my father's mission was. Of, And first of all, we don't ask for donations. We fund, the way family foundations work is you fund your charity. And then as it grows and grows through investments that you put it in, you know, like an IRA or something, you take that money and give it to people in need. And we meet, we talk, we, and believe me, this is a small family foundation, but we follow the letter of the law. We have meetings. We do the proper IRS paperwork. Um, that this guy had a similar foundation, and he used it to make himself richer. Listen to this. Days before the 2016 Iowa caucus, Trump held a fundraiser on behalf of military veterans, you might recall that, and he raised over $5 million. And are you aware that he took half of that and stuck it into his foundation? So, Regular, ordinary, naive, trustworthy Americans believing this guy's crap gave him whatever, 10 bucks, 
15 bucks, whatever they could manage to spare, because they thought it was going to veterans. And he not only put it in his own foundation, but he then converted that into illegal campaign contributions. This guy, make no mistake, I don't know how many times some people have to be told, is a crook. He's a con artist. He's a grifter. He is a man without morals or principles. He is as bad as they come. The U.S. attorney, by the way, the New York State attorney, excuse me, has referred a lot of the stuff that they came up with to charge the foundation, has sent stuff off to the IRS and to the Federal um, Election Commission because it is likely that the found Trump and the foundation have engaged in criminal activities. Uh, what he's facing with the state uh, with the state coming after him is uh, civic penalties, forfeiture of a lot of money, and you know he loses these things all the time. Think of the scams he's run, taking trusting people's money. I give you Trump University, Trump University, which was a huge scam. And people gave him tens of thousands of dollars because he promised them he was going to make them rich. Uh -uh. As usual, he was projecting. He was going to make himself richer. So the New York State Attorney says that the Trump Foundation was little more than a checkbook for payments from Mr. Trump to Mr. Trump. Despicable. What else do I have here? Hang on, I'm just a little... Uh... And I did want to, again, underscore, please watch Joanne Rogers on The Tonight Show. It would have been Wednesday night. If you just Google Joanne Rogers on uh, The Tonight Show, and we'll try to post that too. We'll post it. It's simply <laughs> wonderful. Uh, I'm looking for, I'm sorry. Oh, and I, this is uh, breaking news, and I don't know if you know, but uh, it, it's a sad piece of news, uh, not unexpected, that, that uh, Pittsburgh's uh, longtime best-known television meteorologist, Joe DiNardo, uh, died this morning. Uh, this is somebody that I obviously worked with and knew, uh, last saw him maybe two years ago, three years ago. Um, he was mostly blind, but still, still very much himself. <laughs> um, and uh, when I was at that station, I mean, I think people would have been surprised to know that um, I'm sure he was the highest paid person ever at that station. Um, I think the owners of that station were almost afraid of him doing his bidding. He was quite a powerful operator, um, and uh, he knew his weather, too, although the funniest uh, thing I can remember is uh, Paul Long, the venerable and wondrous uh, anchorman, uh, turning to Joe DiNardo a day after a forecast that he had uh, given had not panned out. <laughs> and he said to Joe, I 
just shoveled eight inches of partly cloudy off my driveway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have... <laughs> Joe, by the way, was 87 years old. Uh, we have another call. Caller, go ahead. Hi, Lynn. This is Roger. This is Rob um, Roger? I didn't understand the... Roger, no. Oh, Not I thought... Rob Roger. Oh, Roger. I... <laughs> oh, this is Roger. Okay. I thought... <laughs> Roger from Bellevue. <laughs> oh, not... Oh, I just Roger from Bellevue. Okay, what? It's just me. <laughs> Um, I didn't understand your previous caller, um, his, what he was trying to get at as far as friends or relatives of his, like wanting him to be their conscience or, or something or, like or, that. Or offering, offering them absolution, I guess. They come saying, well, I just couldn't, you know, that, that they're making sort of trying to get him to understand how they had to do what they did, and he doesn't want to hear it. I think that's what he was saying. Uh, yeah, well, in that case, I'm, I'm with him. I mean, I mean, <clears throat> we've known, uh, anybody who's over the age of 40 should have known that he's been a scoundrel from day one. Huh? And, and really, the, so yeah, you're, you're an ass, you're a stupid ass for thinking that way. Well, I just didn't like Hillary, so fuck the world, you know. Um, that being said, though, the Trump's being Trump, and we're, we're dealing with it, but I just, I think the Republicans are being unforgivable. They are the ones who are unforgivable. I mean, you know, it's like, look at all the people who held up Hitler. Hitler was an awful mean person, and that sounds like a stretch, I know, but the people, they ran with it, and that's what the Republicans are doing. Collaborating, and collaborating, enabling, helping when every fiber in my being says this man and everything he stands for, everything he is doing, needs to be constantly opposed. Um. I, I, yeah, where, where, where is where is their conscience? They don't have one anymore. If I hear another evangelical say, "Well, we're standing on a moral higher ground," well, you can go fuck yourself. I'm sorry. I'm 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 so appalled that that people just it's abortion. It's abortion. It's abortion. You know. And then you got the scared idiots who are it's about the Second Amendment. Well, now we're seeing the First Amendment just getting destroyed. And um, and what the Post Gazette has done. I mean, I'm not I'm not proposing violence or anything, but sometimes I wonder where the hell is the, the weather underground right now. Seriously, yeah. I, I'm that. I, it's, it's getting that crazy. What do we do? I don't know. Well, I mean, as I said, we we organize, we uh, take to the streets, we register people to vote. And we educate people that every election is absolutely important, that the state elections, that the local elections, the school board elections are really important. And um, I would say the Republican Party and anyone running on their ticket needs to be sent packing. You've got to make an extraordinarily strong uh strong statement and that's the way you do it you don't have to love the democratic party because god knows i don't but man i ain't voting ever again because i have in the past for anybody who is attached to this party that has abandoned every principle it ever said it stood for Okay, I agree with you. Um, I, I've been since 2003 since I voted for Republican. The one thing that's really mind-boggling, though, is liberals or leftists, so to speak, are usually the more creative types, and they should be able to get very creatively the word out. Are they just being too nuanced when they try to do this? I mean, because we really suck at it. I have to say. Well, I don't know because, you know, look at, uh, you know, look at all the, 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 you know, we keep saying that the 
It's the people doing the uh, satirical shows. It's the comedians now who are getting the news out. So those are creative people that you're talking about. You know, John Oliver, John Stewart, Trevor Noah, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, I mean, Samantha Bee. They're trying to get the word out. And I think they're doing right, a pretty well, good job. It's a sad it's a sad day, and I just felt like I had to vent a little bit. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate what you're trying to do. So. Well, th- thank you, Roger, for being there always. Thank you. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, Bye. have a good weekend. Bye. And uh, it's okay that you're not Rob Rogers. You're just simply Roger. I heard from Rob very quick. I did not want to bother him yesterday. He knows. He knows how I support him. I. And knowing how inundated he must have been, I actually um, I was at a doctor's appointment. My phone was ringing off the hook, and I just kept, you know, shutting it up. And um, when I got out, I looked, and good God, it was you know, it was KDKA, it was WTAE, it was uh, the New York Times uh, wanting Rob's contact uh, information. Um, and uh, Barry Weiss, who's uh, uh, with the Times, had called me. And I, uh, I got back to her then, and, um, but it was, you know, an hour late. She said, I already got it. It's okay, Lynn, I got it. I got it. Thanks. Thanks. And I just hung up. I mean, I was not. And with Rob, I, I just sent him an emoji. I sent him a big heart. That's all I sent him. Because I didn't want him to have to do anything or respond. I didn't want to call him. Um, and he still managed to respond to my part with just a simple thank you, Lynn. You know, I I have just been so brought low about this. Man, I'll tell you one thing I found out. You see how powerful that rally was I organized? Did we do a job or what? Eh? Did we save Rob Rogers? (laughs) Well, I, I hope he doesn't leave town. Let me uh, give you, again, we'll have to post all this stuff. I think we've done this. You want to give Keith Burris a piece of your mind. It's just K Burris, Keith Burris, K Burris, B-U-R-R-I-S, at post-gazette.com. K Burris at post-gazette.com. If you want to write a letter, he thinks they'll maybe, now that they've actually done a story on this, publish a few letters now. Uh, letters at postgazette.com. And when you do that, you have to include your name, your number, phone number, and your um, address so that they know you're, you're real. And obviously, if you do want to cancel a subscription, you just call their circulation department, which you can find, you know, anywhere online. Um, the president uh, was being uh, extraordinarily noxious this morning when he was taking reporters' questions. Uh, I happened to see much of it because it was in that little period of time when I'm getting dressed in the morning, and um, he again, it was one lie after another, Uh, one of the big lies uh, being that he hates seeing children taken from their parents, and that if you want something done about it, you got to get on the Democrats, that it was their, they had the power to stop this. (laughs) What he's talking about, you you tell me. Democrats do not control the House. Democrats do not control the Senate. Democrats do not control ICE 
or um, the Justice Department. Democrats do not uh, control the White House. Uh, Democrats have no power at all. Uh, and he said he couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, his Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, uh, defended uh, this policy and actually brought God uh, into it, suggesting God was on uh, his side. He said, I would cite you to the Apostle Paul and his clear and wise command in Romans 13 to obey the laws of the government because God has ordained the government for his purposes. Think about that statement. Uh, does that mean the government of name a country, North Korea, China, Russia, uh, Philippines, name a country, the United States of America, and he is saying that the government is doing God's bidding? And let me tell you that when people bring up that particular Romans 13 quote from the New Testament, uh, they are usually invoking it not in a good cause. Uh, there are two dominant places in American history where Romans 13 has been invoked. And one was during the American Revolution when it was invoked by those opposing the revolution. They were saying King George is our government and we are to obey his laws because he is doing God's bidding. Okay? The other time it was invoked was in the 1840s and 1850s. And it was invoked often by people who were defending slavery. And as abolitionists use the Bible, quoting the Bible, the slaveholders would respond with Romans 13. Of course, Romans 13, uh, you know, was not invoked while Barack Obama was president, who uh, Trump today uh, blamed for Russia invading and uh, pending Crimea. He blamed, it was Barack Obama's fault, he blamed uh, the uh, snatching of children from their parents on uh, Obama. He blamed everything on Obama, took no responsibility for anything about except peace in our time, which he thinks one, one bromance meeting with uh, this murderous despot Kim Jong-un has brought us. Um, and if you know your history, peace in our time is a rather famous quote right before World War II by a scared British Prime Minister, Neville Chamberlain, went and spoke to Hitler and came back and said, everything's fine, peace in our time. Okay. Um, oh my God, we're out of time. We're out of time. Uh, I thank you very much. Um, and I'm sorry I'm so dispirited today, but I, I, I'm just being me, and I'm dispirited. Have a good weekend, and uh, I'll be back on Monday. 
Hang in there. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com.